they posted a picture of the three babies mm. and everyone was basically being so rude about true about oh, yeah. how she's so dark and how she's so ugly and she's not cute and all of this and like why she's so dark and That's it's like so rude. first of all she's not even that dark she's not they all look like they're basically the same color apart from chicago she's a bit yeah she, she's a bit she is darker she's but yeah, i definitely bring it up then you can go on to the true thing because it happened like or when they maybe that means crazy maybe it's mixed race well, she don't look mixed race. Maybe a But quarter. you know they say, like, OJ's her dad and stuff, like... <laughs> yeah, but is he mixed race or fully black? He's black, isn't it? He's black, but yeah, but Chris is white. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, but she... Chloe, I could only pull off that she could be a quarter black. And not... But then that would explain why True is darker than the other two. It That's would, but saying. she's definitely not mixed race. Chloe's not mixed race. Nah, I don't think so. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. It would have to be a mixed race man who Chris slept with and then possibly she's, like, a quarter. I could believe that she's a quarter black. That's fine. Mm, I might Google and see who Chris Jenner slept with outside her marriage. It's probably on there somewhere. She uh, slept with a lot of people. She slept with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It wasn't just like one person. Okay. Okay. Cool. Anyway, go on. Hi everyone, welcome back to the second episode of Word to Your Mother. Um, I am Benita. And I'm Michelle. And today we have a a very special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Melissa. So uh, today we're going to be speaking about various things, but before we start we just want to give a great shout out to everyone that listened to our podcast um, and all the feedback we've got has been really great. Um, if you haven't listened to it already, it is on SoundCloud and it's also on iTunes. SoundCloud link is in our bio. Our Twitter page is at YTYMPod. W- WTYM. Pod. All right, I have a um, So before we go into um, our episode today, we're going to talk a few topics. First topic that everyone has been speaking about is uh, the US Open final, which was last... Saturday I think um, and obviously Serena losing out and everyone on every social media platform had very various opinions about it and as the uh, week's gone on opinions have changed for and against so Rosh what is your opinion about the whole Serena and her very emotional and dramatic outburst um, to be fair I've got a lot of opinions about this <laughs> I think there's two things though I have an opinion on her behaviour in the match but then I also have an opinion about the backlash that she received afterwards. Mm. So to start with, her actual, like, well, in case anyone doesn't know what happened, um, Serena Williams <coughs> was playing in the US Open final um, against Naomi Osaka, mm-hmm. 20-year-old, half Haitian, half Japanese. Japanese. Half Japanese. Um, and this was her first US Open final that she played in, right? Yeah. Yeah, so as far as I know, actually, can somebody just confirm for me, did Serena... Um, smash her racket first or did she get um, pulled up on coaching first which one happened first I think the first thing that happened was the the racket smashing right okay so Serena at some point I'm guessing was getting frustrated because she was losing this is what I'm hearing she was mm-hmm. losing and she smashed her racket so that is a first warning yeah and then her coach was making some hand signals in the um, in the stands and mm-hmm. the umpire um, caught her up for coaching which mm-hmm. is you're not allowed to do in tennis so that would have been a second warning, which was a point. Um, and then she proceeded after that to, I guess, verbally attack the umpire. <laughs> yep. Well, p- 
people are saying like she called him a thief and it's not that serious he shouldn't have taken a game um and she demanded that he apologized to her and the thing that i have an issue with as well is the fact that she just kept talking about how she was a mum and like i'm a mum i've got a daughter so i wouldn't cheat and i'm just a bit like well okay there are a lot of people with kids and people do some very questionable things so the fact that you had a child does not really mean anything about your character see i didn't know she said that so i think from hearing that now i feel like yeah that shouldn't have been brought into it because at the end of the day that's her job like you don't bring the fact that you're a mum into into that um but yeah i think i don't know carry on what you're saying now so I think what people were not really understanding is she. there was three incidents that happened in this match. Mm. And then based on the rules of tennis, you get, for your first warning, you for your first incident, you get a warning. Second incident, you get a point. Third incident, you get a game. So people are saying he took a game from her because, and, and for cheating and she wasn't cheating. But that's not the point. The yeah. point is, like, realistically, the umpire was not, wrong in his decision making because no. it's been it's been stated by many people that he's a very tough umpire yeah i feel like her outburst was so unnecessary but i feel like i can i don't i can't relate but i can understand because to me she seemed very emotional extremely emotional. yeah when you see the videos i think you kind of see that she she did look very emotional she was crying in the game she was crying in the press conference yeah. and the fact that she kept talking about her daughter is I feel like there's this kind of change that happens on you once you've had a child and your emotions sometimes get the better of you. The hormones are a bit mm. a bit wild. And I, I really felt like she couldn't control herself. No, right? she couldn't. And I don't think she was right in the game at all. I don't, no. I don't think no. that it was the right way to behave. And I don't think the umpire did, really did anything wrong. No. But when the, most people are just standing for Serena. They're like, Serena yeah. stands. And it's like, well, Serena can do no wrong. But she was wrong. Yeah. When, cause I, when I first saw it, because I messaged, messaged Rosh and said that, oh, she lost. And then I was on Twitter and I was watching all the videos. And for me, it was hard to watch because it was how emotional she was being. Like, she went from shouting to crying to... Sh- Even when she was sitting down, after it happened, she was still going for him. Mm-hmm. Like, you owe me an apology. Yeah. And then it was afterwards when they were playing the last set, she was a bit calmer in her speaking, but the damage was already done. Yeah. And the whole thing about her mentioning her daughter, since Serena's had her child, her whole narrative has changed. Before she was this kind of like undefeatable, young, successful black woman, and she's got 23 grams lands under her name, to now, it's like, I'm a mum, I'm a mum, I'm a mum. So I'm really not surprised that she brought her daughter into it because that's her narrative to like everyone. And before I was so for her, like, this is wrong, blah, blah, blah. But reading the facts, it's kind of like, you know when you overreact and you, instead of you, instead of you, you just got to keep going. You yeah. have to keep running with it. You can't yeah, apologise, like, you can't. I, and even like recently, like they've released um, tennis figures and men have been penalised for the same hundred times more yeah. than women. So now it's kind of like, Serena, what are you going to do now? Because she went from it being a sexist thing and they've, published facts that it's not actually it's not a sexist yeah. thing yeah and don't get me wrong she has been treated not very well no, she, for she her hasn't. career in the first place but this is just not one of those times you know no. when there's like people they, they'll jump on anything and use everything about i'd like to be like a, a feminist thing or a race yeah. thing yeah. yeah and sometimes those are big issues and sometimes those are things that occur but this is just not one of those times no i feel like in this instance I feel like Serena has changed as a mum. First of all, I think she came back to tennis too quickly. Yeah. And I think she expected too much of herself 
after coming back after having a baby and for her maybe expecting herself to be the same as she is going to be before mm-hmm. i understand that she was emotional in the fact that she's passionate about her sport fair enough but i agree in the sense that i think it's a it's a different subject outside of being a mum yeah like and it's it's like you said that, that like a lot of male players have been penalized yeah. for the same thing so now i think it's a bit like mm, yeah and we don't tennis is like i feel like over the last maybe like let's say like almost 10 years tennis has become a more popular sport that more people wear because it's always like it's for england it's like football cricket yeah and now in england it's like football american football basketball and tennis yeah so a lot of the because reading a lot of the comments that wasn't necessarily going against serena but in terms of the rules like no she was wrong and where the Serena fans are like, no, no, da, 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 da. I think... Yeah, because the whole thing is she didn't see the coaching. But that's not the rules. It not, doesn't matter. Yeah. The rules are not whether you saw or not. The yeah. rules are the, that, that and her coach, coach is doing it. Her coaches... Apparently, coaches do this all the time. On I don't see it. But her coach is out of order for putting her in that position. Definitely. On This is probably the title that she wanted most. And when, Yeah, because I feel like she feels like... Like what Melissa was saying... She's putting too much pressure on herself. Yeah. She feels like she's got something to prove. And yeah. the thing is, she like, didn't she didn't everything. win Wimbledon either. No. So it's like, yeah. she hasn't won much since she's had her child. Yeah. So it's like, now she kind of has to prove herself mm-hmm. that, yeah, I am still the greatest, that being a mum has not changed me. But it does change you physically. Like, you're not the same person you were after you had a baby. No, you're not. And it takes, like, what, about t- up to two years for your body to kind of get back to normal after you give birth. So she just put too much pressure on herself. I think it was afterwards. It was that cartoon that yes. this Australian... I think that was out of order. That was... It's a caricature... It's caricature, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They're meant to, like, highlight the... the, the who they're, they're meant to exaggerate. Yeah, yeah exaggerate ugliest your features. features. But when it's someone of a colour, you have to be... Because he couldn't understand why he was getting so much mm. backlash. Yeah, but you know what? I read an, I read something <laughs> on Twitter today, actually, and it was an article written by an artist who said he tried to do a caricature of a black person to see whether or not like he could do it and not be racist mm. and he was like you can't it's really hard he was like if i make their lips too big then you know it's racist if i make their lips too small then it's not really a caricature um if i put red lipstick on them and they've got white teeth then it looks like these jim crow pictures mm. but, like it's there's there's nothing you can really do and i do i feel like the picture was was disgusting yeah because he made her look like a monkey right yes. he could have put her in her actual form with an exaggerated face yeah much easier than he did making her look like some gorilla her, whole, like her gorilla. whole body was exaggerated yeah like, she, she looked, looked like, like a gorilla fat, like yeah like you said monkey yeah so he could have i feel like he could have done it i feel like people still would have said oh it's racist because i do feel like people are quite quick to call everything racist these days yeah. so i'm not gonna lie mm. but he could have definitely done it better he took, he, the, he took the picture down from twitter yeah yeah and he also like a lot of people didn't really pick up on it. the other player what's her name naomi yeah yeah, yeah. He made her blonde as well, mm, so yeah. he didn't. He didn't. He even tried to portray the picture. It was yeah. ridiculous. I don't know what he was doing for himself. No, it was just. I think. I mean, I feel, I personally feel like she needs to take a big time out because she has been very quiet on social media to the fact like she's. It's weird. Same with Wimbledon. She did this whole build up to Wimbledon to so every like the countdown to, and then after the game she won, and then when she didn't win, it was silence. Like. No, I've heard. Rumors. Yeah, but what do you do? You lose. What are you gonna do? Scream? No, but I mean, like, it? when you're, I mean, it's just kind of says like, if you are building up to an event 
like boxing, if I was in a boxing match and I'm building up to it and I would lose, I would probably, and I've built up all, and I'm not gonna say anything about losing. She didn't say anything at all. She like, I think she silent. needs to, especially in this situation, I think she needs to kind of, like, say thank you to people who have supported her throughout, like, through this little yeah, kind no, of definitely. glitch and stuff. Yeah. Like, And I think being silent kind of... Like, you need to lose gracefully. And yeah. I don't think... I think that's kind of... Not throwing her toys out the pram, so to speak, but it's... it's I don't well, know. people are saying that she lost gracefully because she was telling people to stop booing. No, yeah, of course, she yeah. She was, like, comforting Naomi and stuff when yeah. she was crying. I, I commend her for Naomi. that. Yeah. I felt bad for her because I don't think... People are saying... Uh, people are assuming that Naomi was crying because she let... Because um, Serena was losing or because she was winning. I don't think that's why she was crying. No. I think she was crying because of Naomi... Um, Serena's outburst. Do you know what she, she don't is? You don't want to win that way. Yeah. I think... Because she, she's said a lot even before the build-up, that Serena Williams is her tennis idol. That's who she... She wants to play tennis because of Serena. So not only have you... You're playing a really big match and a big platform against your idol, you end up beating her, but not in the way you thought you would, in a sense where some people feel, hence people booing, that she deliberately took a game from her. So it's mixed emotions because she's like, I beat my idol but I also feel like right now everyone hates me for it. Yeah. But she did say afterwards that she felt like it didn't really overshine her moment because once your emotions calm down and obviously she's gained new fans and people people will know who she is now, mm-hmm. mainly because of Serena's outburst, but she's also the person that beat Serena Williams. And she, no one really, well, I'm not really that big, big, big tennis fan where I know every player, but I didn't, I never knew of her before. Like, so I think it was just really like kind of, because she said that when she hugged her at the end, she said she kind of broke down inside because she went back to being that little girl hugging her idol. But I think she's she's got like loads. She'll get loads of money from this. And well, she did for playing in it. She won. She won. She got it. millions for that. Yep. Yeah, and because even Serena get... got millions for just being <laughs> for playing. <laughs> yeah. For playing as well. And also, I think the Serena ph- phenomenon as well, especially amongst celebrities, because she's got a lot of like celebrity friends and fans, like you know, uh, like Beyonce. Um, Anna Wintour so well Kelly like, Rowland was at the match I saw her yeah. like sitting behind the coach yeah like when Serena plays her box is always filled with like celebrities and that's mm-hmm. kind of mocked in the tennis industry as well um, but they're always coming for her I just hope that she she just needs to take a time out and breathe and kind of I don't want to say get her emotions in check because you never know how you're going to react until something happens it's true but I don't think she should play any big grand slams for a very long time so yeah, um, what else did we want to speak about? Um, oh, we wanted to speak about the Nas and Khalees whole thing that's going on with them. Yeah, are you you up to date with that? Mm-hmm. So anyone who's not up to date with this, Nas and Khalees um, were married. They had a son together. Was it Knight? Knight. Yeah, um, and obviously they've split up. <laughs> And since then, their relationship has not has been on rocky ground. So, Khalees did an interview with Hollywood Unlocked, basically just like exposing the whole relationship, saying that Nas used to beat her, and or well, they used to have physical altercations where he might hit her, but she would also hit him. They would be fighting mm. and stuff like that. But then also talking about like his role as a parent and how he hasn't really been there and how he hasn't stepped up, and all of a sudden he just took her to court and wants to like have custody of their son yeah um so nas did not respond at the time but last week or recently 
he posted like a six page rant on Instagram. Yes. About his feelings towards Khalees and addressing the whole custody issues with his son and the and the domestic violence stuff. And for me, it, it, it was disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I can't take you seriously because you've written it on, t- on Instagram. You've just written six pages on Instagram. Yep. Like, we can't hear, we can't see you. We can't hear you. Yep. At the end of the day, Khalees had a an interview and whether or not she's telling the truth or whether she's not, we can see her. And I personally believed her over him because, well, I can't take you seriously because just run on Instagram. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I believe Khalees. And do you know what? Mainly the reason I believe Khalees because she said certain things that I feel like resonate with mothers, single mothers as well, because there's definitely been times like there was a story that she told about um, her parents coming over to visit mm. um, and her asking Nas if she could switch his days, like if he could switch his weekends so that her son could see his grandparents yeah. and him being completely unreasonable and being like, no, I'm not doing that. This is my day type thing. And he actually addressed that in his thing, and but turned it around to a different story, saying that he came to pick up his son and she wouldn't let him have him because her parents were there. Yeah. Like it was a last-minute thing. Yeah, like yeah. as if he didn't know, but she's clearly said that she told him that. And I've been in that situation before where you you say, can I change my weekend? Or can I do... Or can, can like I can't do this because I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, whether, for whatever reason, people, they want to stick to their, their, their routine... And people are not flexible sometimes. And I believe, based on that, just because of my own experiences, that hers is more more reliable. Like, her story just makes more sense to me. His yeah. is just a bit like, she's crazy. And maybe she is crazy. Yeah. But I think he's... Clearly, they were obviously in a toxic relationship anyway. And his letter, reading it and stuff, in terms of, like, kind of attacking her as a mother, but in terms of her personal feelings towards him, I was a bit, mm, because she's married and she has does she have one other child yeah, yeah she's one yeah. other child so it's not like she's just this if she wasn't if she was by herself not with anyone you could be like okay she's bitter or whatever but it's like she's actually yeah, but got, I, just, she's I don't appreciate on. this yeah. whole bitter thing though anyway because no, but, they, like, but you know what I mean that's how people are trying to make it, make it out like he's trying to make out like she's this crazy black woman yep. and people are just go with the narrative that she's bitter and she's crazy because she's a baby mother like that's just not no. the case in all situations. Like, why does she have to be a crazy baby mother just because they, they've broken but up? It's always a thing. If a man comes out and says that a woman is this type of way, everyone's like, yep, yep, yep. But when it's a woman, no, did I, I think I got that wrong. I was trying to think. So, I just feel like when men say something, a lot of people kind of, especially men, guys, they try, believe it more. So a lot of guys, when I was reading the timeline, a lot of guys. And a few girls were like... I think it's because people Nars like Nas's music. People are on Nas's side because they like his yeah, music. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. I, yeah. I personally, I don't, I'm not really, I don't listen to Nas's music. I've listened to a few of Khalees' albums. But when I... Because you told me about the video and then I watched the video, I really kind of felt for her. Like, she looked kind of like... She was hurt because he was... How she was portraying it is that because Nas doesn't like her, he was taking it out on, like, the sun in terms of, like, well, I'm not going to see him or you're not going to get this, you're not going to get that. But this letter come out the blue and he said in the letter that she did the interview because there was a court court date coming up. So are you doing this because there's a court date coming up? Because you're kind of, it, it, there's ulterior motives yeah. there. Because it's not like this happened last week. This was month, was this like... It was a while ago. It was, it a was very, very... That's very, what I thought. Long. I haven't seen the video, mm. but I did kind of, like, I heard about it and then I read Nazi's letter like, for my sins because it was really long. <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to read it, but I thought I want to know what's like, happening. Um... Yeah, and I kind of feel like maybe the letter is a bit out of the blue. 
Um, grammar was horrible as well. I can't read long things. It seems like he terrible. did it. You know when you're really angry with someone mm. and you're just typing, typing, typing. He's just typing and then just sent it. Yeah. Like maybe, I don't know if anything happened between them, but that's what it seems like. Yeah. It seems like something's always happening between them, to mm. be fair. And it's this is probably... See, when you when you when there's a breakdown of a relationship and there are children involved, things get messy and it's hard to have to deal with somebody who you don't like, but you have to deal with them because you've got a child together. Do you know what I mean? You're forced into a situation and things can get extremely like it can affect the child yeah it can get hurtful it can get bitter mm. and at the end of the day they obviously don't like each other so at no point is either of them going to be completely honest no. in in their like their opinions of each other they yeah. both feel a certain way because that's what someone said i read a comment someone was like the, i think the most disturbing thing about this whole thing is that one of them is lying yeah ultimately or both of, of them course. or both of them yeah. are lying at the end of the day yeah. there's probably a little bit of <laughs> Like mistreat in both on yeah. both sides. Like I don't think it's got a, it's going to be a one or the other side. Um, I don't want to just choose Khalees' side because she's a woman and she's a mum. But like I don't know. I don't really know anything about Nas to be fair. And he's quite quiet. Yeah. Like, you know, normally yeah. about things. This is why I was. Surprised I just don't trust him because he doesn't really talk no, about yeah. his personal life yeah. at all. So for him to come out like this, and that's why I think more people are inclined to believe him because because he really doesn't really speak. This, so because yeah. he said this, like it must be true. Um. I, I don't really rate him anyway. I like her music and I like her more than I like him because I just don't rate him. Sorry if you are like, oh my God, he's great. I don't really care. <laughs> 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 I really don't care. But, um, yeah, and another thing yesterday, was yesterday day four, so uh, Kim posted three, uh, three, she posted a are picture. Are we moving on to a new to topic, yeah? Yeah. Okay, that wasn't clear. Okay. So our next topic we're going to speak about quickly is um, Kim Kardashian. So she posted a picture of uh, Chicago, True and Stormy, who are basically all babies. And there was a lot of negative comments against True. Yeah. Which is disgusting because she's a baby. And I feel like regardless of um, people's personal opinions towards her mother and father, it's like, why would something like that come out of your mouth? And it was more on True's colouring. Um, she was clearly the darker baby out of the three and they all have um, black fathers what do you think um yeah I read when it, when the picture was posted on Instagram I saw it and I actually did read the comments and most people to be honest all of the, pretty much all of the comments were disgusting mm. it was like why she's so dark it was like she's not even cute she's an ugly baby blah 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 all this sort of stuff and it's like I don't know whether people just say these things to be controversial on social media or so that, like, you know, people will, like, pay attention to what you're saying. Yeah. But in my opinion, it's not even correct. She is cute. Like, she I don't is. even think that she's not cute. Yeah. Like, no. she is definitely darker than her cousins. But yeah. then why should that even matter? It just doesn't make a difference. Like, I feel like within, especially, like, the black community, there is this, a lot of stigma on darker, mm. like, darker-skinned women or people. And I feel like, it shouldn't be and especially if a baby like what does it matter it, like yeah, fair enough her matter. skin is darker but like what why is that an issue and i feel like it's what you just said that people would i think that i think they're just talking for the sake of talking do you know what people are talking for the sake of talking that is so accurate <laughs> yeah. right because this okay this just brings me on to, sorry to the crept and his girlfriend <laughs> thing because crept from the duo crept and conan he posted a picture of him with his girlfriend and then as far as I know, and anybody who wants to disagree with me, let me know. But I saw one comment, one comment from a girl who was talking about 
these rappers they don't rate dark skinned women blah 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 right but then i saw i don't even know hundreds of comments after that about how oh like basically attacking this that that sort of yeah this narrative right but people say everyone's talking about it okay i saw one comment about someone who said that he doesn't rate dark-skinned people and then everybody else was on the was on the defensive and i'm like are people just like tweeting about this like preemptively when actually only one person said it like one person's opinion does that I know it must have I saw a picture of Instagram I remember I opened a picture and I thought oh she's really pretty and I closed it I have no opinion like I'm not like oh my god and then I went on Twitter and I saw his name trending and I was like they're talking about his girlfriend and I looked and I was like okay but the comments were basically talking about people who were talking about the fact that his girlfriend's like I didn't see any negative comments about her exactly people talking about other people saying that she like he doesn't he only likes light skin girls who which people were talking about it like which people I just I just don't it's like when you uh, you know who do you know who Georgia Smith is? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I go on Twitter and her name is trending, I know someone. It's always someone talking about her color, and I just was like, why do you people even? I feel like why do you care? Why does it affect you? And no one speaks this widely about Childish Gambino, who you said have gone on radio show and said that he would never date a white woman. No, I think people have definitely dragged him for this yeah but dragged like not him. as frequent but also his girlfriend is white mm-hmm. which is a complete we're talking about black people no but I mean in a sense I feel like maybe it's a UK thing like because I saw someone mention Stormzy as well they mentioned Stormzy and crept to someone else about preferring women of a lighter colour yeah this is that that is the woman the one woman who tweeted that it her? that is her right okay, she was the that's only her. one so then obviously her tweet obviously rattled a lot of people and yeah. he was trending for about a day no but also do you know what sorry if you read the thread of what this woman wrote she was attacking him because he made a comment about someone on on take me out a black woman on take me out looking like an ape right oh my so, god re- like people were, were just dragging his girlfriend into this this conversation that she didn't need to be in like he possibly has colorist like ideas in his head and maybe he likes light-skinned women maybe he doesn't rate dark-skinned women and he's obviously said something that was unflattering towards a black woman and i think she's taken that as well paired with the fact that his girlfriend's light-skinned to like come up with her opinion which is a completely acceptable opinion she's allowed to share her opinion but i feel like why should you care because you like whoever these people date it doesn't affect your lives and fair enough like everybody has a preference like some people i feel that's so dangerous like the preference thing with the colorist thing and people who are in the limelight people who are in the spotlight and only date light-skinned women right yeah i feel like we should care about that i'm sorry we should because it it it's it like filters down into young people and then when you see there was a video there was that video where the guy was walking around like stratford asking young people oh yeah i saw that That, no that was that was very very that i found that not offensive but i found it very yeah but what do you expect the people that they look up to the celebrities that they see the artists the people that they listen to only date if they only see them with light-skinned women what do you think that but then but then do you suggest but then do you suggest that these people like go out with darker-skinned women just for the no i don't suggest that they go out with darker-skinned women based on like because of their fans but when crep's saying things like this black girl looks like an ape okay yeah fair enough he shouldn't have said that there's there's things like you can date who you want to date like fair enough but there should also be an element of the fact that you are an influencer you have an effect on what people think and maybe you should say some nice things about black women just of course just do you know what i mean like date who you want but maybe like say do you know what i love i love black women 
this is the woman that I love right now. Yeah. And it, she's not dark skinned, yeah. but it doesn't, but that's not the reason that I love her. Like I still like, I still love dark skinned women. I support dark skinned women. I support black women. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if you don't date them, like let, let, let it just be known, please. Like, or you know just, I mean? they should just not say anything or everyone should just not comment on people's color and what they look like. I understand people's going to happen, mm. but I feel like, like you said, if you're in a public eye, like don't tweet stuff like, that woman that black woman looks like an ape and don't say stuff like oh i only date white women or i only date this women like just don't say anything yeah and just go about your life and if people want to comment on the color of the people that you date then that's their own yeah but i feel like as well there's like it shouldn't be on them to have to do this but no. i feel like it is because you you're in the public eye yeah and of it has course. a real effect on black women and black and little black girls as well there are little black girls out there who are like I wish I didn't look the way I look. I mm. wish I was white. I wish I was mixed race. I wish I had curly hair. Mm-hmm. I wish I didn't have an afro. Like, and because they don't see representation of themselves and whether or not we like it, the conversation's out there. And I feel like people are trivializing it with this whole crept thing, to be fair. But it is is an issue. Yeah, and it is. It is. They need, like, little black girls need to be able to turn around and think, do you know what? I'm I'm a, I'm I'm as pretty as she's she is. Yeah. Just because someone's light skin doesn't make them pretty. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't. It's like there's this whole thing where it's like, oh, she's light skin, so she's pretty, but she's not. Like, actually, can we look at her features? Is she actually <laughs> pretty? Or are we just saying she's pretty because she's got light skin? Mm. Yeah. I have to big up um Getz obviously for his Black Rose video. Yeah. About his daughter because mm. that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. He's in there and he he's he's talking about it and that, you have to do that. Like you have to speak on issues. Yeah. Like, whether or not you want to be controversial, you have to. Think about every single celebrity, black celebrity, who did not, like, when everything was happening in America, who didn't speak on the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah. Did they get, they got dragged, right? Because you can't just be quiet about issues. No, you can't. You're in the public eye. People look to you to hear your opinion. You have to say something. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. Okay, rant over, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about childbirth. Um, Melissa, I understand that you are a midwife. Yes, I am. Um, and you are a mum of one. Yep. Okay, so... Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. it first? Like, So, how long have you been a midwife? Um, so, I've been qualified for two years now. I've been only working a year because, obviously, I had a child. So, mm-hmm. I was pregnant in my last year of uni. Right. Um, managed to just finish three weeks before my son was born. And then took the year out and then started work um, when my son turned one. Okay. So you had, so you've physically been working at a hospital for, for a year. For a year. Yeah. Um, okay. So you obviously had your son after you kind of studied everything. Mm-hmm. So how did you find like your labor? Like with all the stuff that you know? I found it really helped me because okay. it helped me. It's kind of like I wasn't going into the unknown. So I knew what could go wrong. Mm. I knew the possibilities that, you know, I could end up having an emergency cesarean or have um, an instrumental birth. So with four steps or with help um, or whatever else. So I knew that there was a possibility that could happen no matter how hard I tried for it not to. Um, so I kind of, I think it helped me in the sense that I... You could stay calm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I was kind of, I'd already resounded to the fact that, okay, if it does happen, then it's happened, it's to kind of save my baby's life or to save my life. So I kind of, it's like I went into it and I was like, okay, if it happens, it happens. I don't want it to, but... Yeah. Yeah, so I find it really helped and like I I knew what was going on with my body and I I knew what was happening kind of, so to speak. Do you know what I just want to talk about really quickly? Because obviously I know you. Yeah. And you... (laughs) 
went to uni first for yeah. something else yeah and then decided to go back afterwards yeah so there was a year to... there was a year in between both my degrees yeah so i just feel like that's quite like important anyway for people to like know you you can go back to uni at any point you can go and do different things if yeah. you see a career out there that kind of things to like oh i'm talking shit <laughs> you're not you're not because i there's a <laughs> i had a point but you know i'm like you can see things you can do the things and i'm just like not saying words <laughs> so <laughs> you what were you studying before in uni criminology and then what made you decide to change so i, I initially wanted to do midwifery the first time around right um and my dad kind of put me off doing it a little bit um so i didn't do it why do you think why do you think he, why do you think that was <laughs> I, I don't know maybe he i don't know maybe he thought i wasn't right to do it. i don't know but i'm because i'm quite close with my dad it kind of right, like yeah. he's quite a big influence i was just like okay um and then when i finished uni the first time I was like everyone, like trying to look for a job, trying to get this job, this job. Um, I already decided halfway through my second year I didn't want to do criminology anymore. Right. But I just thought, let me finish it because I've started. Um, so, yeah. And then I decided I um, just might as well go and do midwifery. Okay. So I feel like that's very, like, it's inspirational, I think, yeah. that people should know that you can go and, you know, go back to uni whenever you want. You can, like, you finished up this degree basically ready to give birth yeah you know and like but that wasn't uh, the plan but yeah well yeah but you know what I mean you still you still saw the whole thing through it wasn't like oh I'm pregnant now so I can't uh, I can't do anything I had or, to because I felt like I've come this far and if this was a, it was a really hard degree like it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of everything so for me to kind of stop and then take the year out and have a baby and then go back I thought it's going to be harder to go to uni and do placement with a baby so let me just try and finish it. And if anything stops me and I have to stop, then I'll stop. But yeah, luckily I managed to. I didn't have any problems with my pregnancy. So I managed to just carry on. And I had a lot of support from people at like where I did my placement and stuff. Okay. So um, like I had as many breaks as I wanted and um, things like that. So it was it was good. I'm okay. grateful that for them, actually. Do you know what, actually? I need to ask a question because I've actually seen a lot of things about midwives or nurses and stuff working in, like, in hospitals and they don't get any breaks or they'll be working 12-hour shifts and then, like, they have to eat on the go and, ty- and there's all sorts of things. Like, I've, I saw a thread on Twitter. And is that kind of, like, what life is like? That's exactly what life is like. There's, like, I'd be lucky if I get a break in the day like an actual lunch break sometimes I'm too busy and I just I eat if I have a sandwich or something I have a sandwich and do my writing or like I'm halfway between and have to go and see um, a patient or something like that's exactly what it's like because I guess you can't plan labor can you if people are giving birth you've got to be there haven't you really you can't like yeah I think in that sense because obviously like people just think midwives oh they just deliver babies but we look after women like during their pregnancy if they have to be admitted to hospital and after they give birth and things like that so during the labor part i think if you if you you can sort of have a break and someone can kind of take over from you um for like an hour and then if the person gives birth then they give birth um but when you're on a postnatal ward it is i know where i work it is very very busy it's one of the busiest hospitals in europe i think it's yeah it's very very busy um and you're looking after like maybe eight nine women plus their babies um and 
there's other midwives looking after the same amount of people so it's more difficult then for someone to kind of take over from you and to ha- then for you to have a break so it's just you kind of have to get a break as and when you can sort of thing so that is, I remember I had three midwives during my when I was admitted and the middle one which I really like she was part time so she, I, she didn't do a full shift but she actually delivered my baby but she's meant to be finished and I remember afterwards when she came the is it what, what's the head midwife called like the one that looks after is it the matron yeah we, yeah. yeah she'd come in and she asked where the woman was and the other midwife kind of covered her she's like oh yeah because she's meant to go home like an hour ago but it wasn't the fact that, like she had to help with this labour because my other midwife she was absolutely useless like I I think about it, I hate her but if my other midwife wasn't there but the more midwife was more concerned at the fact that she should have gone home mm-hmm. and obviously she can't put in any claim for it so she's not going to get money for it yeah so there's the postnatal there's the labour ward you've got the birthing centre so and the antenatal ward antenatal so you've been in like work for a year so what so have you just have you always been in postnatal no so what what happens is that when you start you get in my hospital anyway you get rotated around each area so you kind of have a feel of like um each area basically um and then now i've finished my like probation if you call it i'm in the i'm based in the ward where the postnatal and antenatal ward is so okay i'm not delivering babies at the moment do you get do you get like a choice like you could say actually i want to go into the birthing centers or is it you can like you can you can say but if if their quota is filled they'll kind of well in my hospital they put you where that the staff is needed kind of thing okay okay cool are you happy doing that or did you want to be delivering babies is that like exciting i don't know i feel like it's exciting though it is exciting (laughs) delivering babies like i get excited about doing it um but I did kind of ask to be, I don't know why I did, <laughs> I asked to be in the postnatal ward um, because I feel like I can manage my own self like and I'm not not having to answer to somebody but like I'm not bothered as much and I could just get on with what I need to get on with. Right, okay. But it's, it's a lot more busy than delivering babies. Okay. In my opinion. Okay, cool. Should we do our own, our birthing stories? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. So, um, my water's broke the night before, but I didn't know. I just thought it was discharged. Sorry for the TMI. Um, (laughs) um, And it sounds really stupid. Me and mum were really tired and I hadn't had my hair done yet. So, I didn't want to, because I knew if I called triage, they always tell you to come in, whatever it is. So, I went. Can I just butt in? In that situation, for anyone that's listening, if you have a baby, if your waters break, please go to the hospital straight away. <laughs> just to clarify, they didn't like break. Like it, was, it was just there was just a lot of extra fluid down there, and I was like, okay. So um, okay, so maybe they actually did break. No, they did. They we did because when I went to triage the they next said. evening and they tested me, they were like, yeah. And because it'd been almost twenty four hours, I had to admit me. Yeah. Um. So I think I was in hospital from Thursday evening all the way to Sunday evening. Um, my birth was a little bit traumatic because um wait sorry i feel like you skipped a whole area what of so your water's broke your hair wasn't done right <laughs> yeah. so oh. what were you doing in between that and then your your traumatic birth so after i got my hair done because my hairdresser came to my house i called my mom and i said i'm going to call them and i called them and they said to come in and i literally went two hours later because i was packing a bag just in case really reluctantly because i was trying to be positive be like everything's fine um wait so was this on time was your birth on time no that- i was two weeks early 
Okay, so is that why you were a bit reluctant? Because you felt like it's not... Yeah, like you have and, time. Yeah, and also I think the the reason why I decided to call, like go anyway is because I hadn't felt her move much. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so I went in and they did the test and they said that my waters had broken. And they said that they were going to um, induce me. Um, I can't remember, the, it's the pill they put in you. I can't, I don't know what it's called. No, okay. They said they were going to induce me, mm-hmm. so I was taken to. The... Is that because your water's broken? You weren't having any contractions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I went to the labour ward, and I swear to you, to this day, she did not put it where she put it. I think she put it up my bum. I can't explain it. I've said this to you, have I not? I don't know. Okay, so I she did it about half nine because my mum just got there, and she explained what she was going to do and put the pill up and whatever not. And I just felt like it didn't go in the right hole. But, okay, so as soon as she put it in, I felt things. Like, I felt like my stomach was yeah. being so a bit tight. Yeah, so then she must have put it in the right hole. That's what I would think. So, about 10 o'clock, I said, my mum, I need to go to the toilet. So I went to the toilet, I did number two, and I could see the pill in the, yeah. So I told my mum, mum was like, tell them. So I told them, and she wasn't sure of her answer, and I knew, that's when I knew she did it wrong. Because I was like, does this normally happen? She was like, um, well... You know, like th- she was just wasn't giving me a straight answer. Mm. So she, I said, "Oh, can you put another one back in?" She said, "They can't," and everything stopped. So I feel like I was at the beginning of starting to contract. Yeah. So basically, I wasted a night in the labour ward, and then in the morning they said I'll be moved to another ward and given the injection, um, the drip, mm-hmm. and that's when my nightmares like started. I because th- everyone was like, "Get the epidural," because the contractions are ten times stronger than normal, but. This is my first pregnancy. I don't know what normal contraction yeah. is, and I was not getting the epidural. Mm-hmm. And I start like I started to have contractions, and then they increased it, and that's when hell started. And I was basically screaming for the epidural, um, and they measured me, and they said I was four centimeters. So I was like, yeah, I want the epidural now. And as the contractions were coming more stronger and frequent. Um, the anesthesiologist was explaining to me everything and my second midwife came in to say bye because she finished her shift and mum was just like her pain's really different and she opened my legs and yeah so from being four centimetres to actually I'm basically pushing out a baby I couldn't have the epidural Mm -hmm. and what was the space of time between this? so she measured me at half past one yeah um, and at ten to two I had my child. Twenty minutes. Yeah, that's not that's not uncommon. <laughs> like it literally can happen that quick, unless it was a case in your case where you were a bit further along than four centimeters. So maybe you're about six, maybe. Because they did say that they were going to cut me, and my mom basically like shouted at the nurse like, "Please don't," because they cut me and I had a really bad experience. So she didn't cut me. She just talked me through it. Because I didn't know how to push. I never went Why to Why did like, they say they were going to cut you? I think, well, just because... She, I don't know. I, I don't know. They just said, like, oh, we're going to cut you. Because they were telling me to push. But I didn't know how to push. You push just mm. like you push, innit? Yeah, but like, like she was, was saying, like, slow... Because you remember saying slow pushes? And you were like, pant, pant, pant. Yeah. But I was, like, basically, like, pushing and stopping, pushing and but stopping. But to be honest, I think the, the pushing is the worst part for... Because I think people are scared that like sorry for the information but like that they're gonna tear yeah so i think they're scared to push it they don't push as effectively as they need to so if i'm with a lady i would say to push like you're doing a really big poo and you're constipated because mm. that's literally how you need to push yeah because i i don't i in my mind i wasn't scared of ripping and whatever not i just wanted the pain to be over and i wanted to push 
and I just I just I just wanted it all because I felt like at that point it was like a nightmare and yeah that was it was really um it was emotional it's chaotic and it was shock two weeks early as well and my room wasn't decorated that's why I was in hospital for the extra days because my mum had to decorate my room so they just let you stay there the midwife I said to her like can you discharge me until like and she was like okay 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 so like I wasn't discharged till Sunday night but being in that um is it postnatal ward Mm -hmm. was probably like it was horrible I I just I I hated it I didn't like it at all I felt I think I cried a couple of times I had like some very horrible mothers around me and everyone there had c-sections and obviously I was the only natural one and the midwife's about the breastfeeding kind of just did my head in a little bit wait Uh, so sorry you said you hated your first midwife but I don't feel like we heard a story about what was this the woman who put you think put the put in the wrong place no so that my this was my third and final midwife so you just skipped a whole part of the story what about what happened what the midwife yeah I don't know whether she had time off and come back but this was like her first time being back on the labour ward Mm -hmm. and she wasn't sure of herself she was very like kind of where my second midwife was like very kind of like knowledgeable laid back calm where this one was a bit of a panicker Mm. so even when I had the when I wanted the epidural obviously when a patient says that you have to do checks before you say Mm -hmm. the even when she was doing that she was just there was a point where I said to my mum I was going to poo TMI sorry and um she went round to like wipe me and there was blood so we pressed the button and she came back and I was like oh there's a lot of blood and she was like oh um oh I don't know mum's just like but it's your job to know like is everything all right with my child yeah so when Elizabeth the midwife came back to say goodbye my mum just rounded on her like she's like her pain's different and she said to me do you want to push and I was like well I want to poo she's like do you want to push I was like yeah and she opened my legs and mm, she could see sitting there. yeah um, she was I think I can remember her name she was awful but then in my birthing notes she's down as the midwife that delivered my child because Elizabeth was meant to have gone home when she didn't she, all she did was stand there with the carrier bag just for the when my mum cut the cord it was it was um, a traumatic experience and then I, I don't think I was fully happy until I got home mm. but um, did I miss anything out of the story that I mentioned what, before? what was traumatic about it? I think it was when they increased the drip, the pain of the transa- uh, the the contractions, mm-hmm. and I, at one point I stopped taking gas and air because I remember me vomiting and the rest of my waters broke and I was convinced that it was the gas and air that was making me feel sick. It probably was. And at one point, my mum had to shove it in my mouth because I didn't want it. And at that point, when I thought I was going to get the epidural, and then in the space of like 10 minutes, I'm pushing... And I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Maybe everything happened so quickly for you and because you were two weeks early as well, you're kind of, you wasn't really prepared yeah. for it. I so maybe was, your mindset wasn't really yeah. ready for everything. Like, I felt like I'd be scared of the pain. But in that instant, I think I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't really like, the only person that was kind of helping me was my mum. But I guess every first mother doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, but in a sense, birth. like the, the whole pushing bit though, like, I didn't go to any classes where about actually like we went to the antenatal class about the procedures, the pain relief, and whatever not. But in terms of like pushing and relaxing yourself and calming yourself, I feel like I should have maybe looked into going to one of those in more detail. But I feel like that needs to be told like to women anyway, because mm. I feel like I'm quite passionate about um, antenatal education because I feel like I see a lot of people that come in and don't know anything, like don't even know that labour is painful. Oh, mad. Yeah, a lot of some people do. No, I'm not even joking. Some people don't even know. 
that so when I'm having husbands and they're like oh she's in pain I'm like yeah it's fine like it's good pain <laughs> yeah. because you need pain for baby to come mm. so I feel like that that kind of information needs to be given like you need to be told okay it's gonna feel like you if when you push you need to do it as if you're doing a big poo like it, it doesn't sound nice but I feel like you need to that midwife needs to be honest with with women and their partners about what it's going to be like so then people can be more prepared so when they come in mm. they kind of know a little bit even if it's not that much if it's the first baby at least you know okay i know i need to push like this okay i know it's gonna hurt or whatever yeah like i thought that yeah i feel like that should have been told to you yeah. oh sorry i survived i was two plus for a month and i got over it <laughs> what about you a month a month and a yeah like there was sometimes where i think back of it and i could it was like it happened like yesterday i could still like visualize the pain and even sometimes when i watch one born every minute i sh- shut my legs a little bit but i really can't watch that show anymore i love that show so much i loved it before i started training to become midwife <laughs> and now i really can't watch it why is that because it doesn't show a true representation of birth and things like i think it shows all the nice stuff like it shows okay fair enough like it shows women in pain and things like that but and it shows yeah it shows like midwives like chilling out and having cups of tea and stuff but that doesn't happen like (laughs) sometimes it doesn't happen like sometimes it does but a lot of it is kind of for entertainment purposes it doesn't really give a real depiction of what to expect so to speak okay what about yours Bosh? um i I think i was in like what is it non-active labor i don't know that's like active labor when you're like full labor and then like the bit before that early labor early labor for a good for a few days right <laughs> i was in the, i was for a few days so i was basically had nothing to eat for about two days or something i don't even know but you just um, lost your appetite i was just ill oh, i was just okay. ill for like two days and then um the next day my water broke i can't even really remember how my, my water broke i remember that um and then we called the hospital we went in um, they put me on the monitor for a little bit and then they're like okay go home because obviously I feel like they don't even actually check you though when you <laughs> when you go in I feel like they think like just because your water broke you must be really like can I just say something sometimes you won't be checked because if you're not contracting they don't want to check you and then start introducing the risk of infection because the more checks you have the higher the risk of infection oh, I'm, I'm so if sure it doesn't look like but if they're not regular, yeah, and you, it doesn't, you're not in that much visible pain. They're not going to check you, and they will say go home right. and relax and like let okay. your body do what it needs to do. Right. I mean, it was fine. I went home. I went home, but I was definitely had contractions at this point, and so I went in. The, I had a bath. That was really nice. <laughs> and then literally, as soon as I came out of the bath, I was just in like full on pain. Um, and I think my contractions were like three minutes apart or something. Um, and that was like an hour late, like an hour or two hours later. Um, so we went back to the hospital and then obviously I was admitted. But I had like a really nice birthing plan and stuff. So I was going to have no epidural, completely natural. Um, and that was, yeah, that was my plan. So um, in the ho- in the room, I had my mum and my sister with me. Um, and I was just originally on gas and air. Um, then I decided to go into the, um, the pool, mm-hmm. the birthing pool which was really nice. I was in the pool. Um, <laughs> oh, I missed a bit out. Before I went in the pool, the nurse checked me um, to see how dilated I was and I was eight centimetres dilated, right? So I feel like I was really like quite far dilated. Yeah, you were, yeah. I was killing labour, but anyway, <laughs> they sent me home. Um, 
I was eight centimeters dilated and this was like super fast. So this is from, I, from when I originally went in, might've been about like six o'clock or something. And at this point now we're probably at like eight, nine o'clock. Like it was, it was quick. I was eight centimeters dilated. So I went into the pool. So then obviously the plan is to have the baby in the pool because I'm in there. So um, the midwife was then telling me to push while I was in the pool. Um, and so I was pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing was happening and it was getting very stressful. And so then I had to get out of the pool. Um, so it turns out that the cervix, which is like, I don't know how to explain what a cervix is. <laughs> I don't know how to explain what a cervix is, <laughs> but it's... <sighs> Anyway, there's a little Every bit woman of... has a cervix. Let's that's, that's, that's just say that. Basically, the <laughs> cervix has to be all gone for the baby to come, Yeah, right? so the cervix needs to have shortened and opened enough for the baby to come. Right. Oh, like, yeah, like... So, yeah, yeah. so yeah. even though listeners can't see... Sorry, I'm visualising a picture yeah. of, like, yeah. So listeners <laughs> can't see. So say if it's about, what, this is about, what, an inch? In, inch it, and a half, maybe? Inch and a half. So say it needs to kind of go shorten right and then open okay right so that's why sometimes labor takes so long because it's not just a case of it opening right so it needs to go down and then it needs to cl- close a little bit and then a gap to go through kind of anyway can i finish my story <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. um there was still cervix there apparently so when i was pushing which is all very stressful because obviously the baby is not coming mm. um so I was really annoyed at the midwife who told me that I should push because she wasn't waiting for me to start. She told me to push and then it just all got very stressful from there. So after that, it just was a hot mess. It was so bad after that. I got out of the pool and then I think I was, because I was distressed of pushing when I didn't, I wasn't supposed to be pushing. They then said that I should, or I can't even remember. It, I had a pethidine injection. I don't know why it was disgusting it was the worst thing that ever happened to me i was literally screaming my head off because it hurt so bad it felt like some it felt like they like injected acid into my back that's how it felt <laughs> it felt like they injected like it where felt like it, it was sorry, burning my insides where did they inject it like into like your basically the top of your bum your lower back like your bum area i don't know why they did that it was so bad and then after i had that i don't know if i had a bad reaction to it but i basically got really drowsy no that's what happens oh is that what happens yeah yeah but who how is that helpful but why would you have that do you know what they like we say i don't know what it's like in other hospitals but we say give it as early in the labor as possible because that's what happens and because it can cause baby to be drowsy as well yeah. so if the if it's given at like nine centimeters and then you deliver like 10 minutes later or let's say an hour later baby can come out drowsy and then be have may have to be resuscitated so they oh. should have given it to you earlier i don't that's why i made that face because i don't know why they gave it to you at this point well if I, you're before clearly that, I didn't really, almost pushing yeah. baby out i was perfectly happy with my my gas and air it was so funny as well because i was all giddy and <laughs> i was enjoying my life but yeah i had this and i don't even know why i had it to be honest um and then yeah so i got very hysterical after that when they gave it to me and then after that i was completely drowsy and i couldn't keep my eyes open and at this point i think a couple of hours of must have gone by and it was decided that I was now gonna have the drip put in and I was gonna have an epidural. I might, I must have decided I was gonna have an epidural, I don't really remember. But I had an <laughs> so the anesthesiologist? Anesthetist. Anesthetist? Anesthetist, yeah. Okay, that person. <laughs> What's an anesthesiologist? Is that American? I don't know, but we have heard it on Grey's. Yeah, yeah, I think that's from Grey's Anatomy. I feel like that's American. I think it's the same thing. It's anesthetist. Okay, <laughs> the anesthetist came in and then basically because when you have an epidural they have to put like whatever the numbing thing in your back yeah right? local your, anesthetic yeah in your back in your spine 
In your back. Yeah. So he was saying basically how, like, we're trying to explain it to me anyway and saying I have to really pay attention to him and I have to keep still. And the man's talking to me and my head is dropping. <laughs> my eyes are closed. I cannot listen to you because I didn't know what was going on. And he's like, you need to pay attention. You need to open your eyes. And I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> my eyes are closed. <laughs> anyway, I did get the epidural anyway. I don't really remember that. That didn't hurt. I thought like that was fine. Um, and it was really great because then I had a nice long sleep. I had a nice nap. <laughs> It was great. And when I woke up, I think it was time for me to have my baby. <laughs> Literally. But to be fair, I had my son at half past eight the next day. So it was like 24 hours I was in labor or maybe even a little bit more, like 24, 25 hours that I would have been in labor because I had a nice sleep. I do want to say, actually, I don't want to say because I feel like it's really, it's not nice. But the whole checking how dilated you were was probably the second worst experience of my life it's not nice because it's very uncomfortable it was it it wasn't uncomfortable it hurt it's horrible (laughs) it was the most painful thing i've ever apart from the the pethidine that was painful and then so when i had my epidural in i had this adopt like i had a doctor obviously because i've got an epidural and stuff like that um and i had to move rooms so the doctor then checked me but obviously i had an epidural so i couldn't feel it but he was like a west african man oh, right uh, he was like basically he was very heavy-handed oh, Jesus right Christ. he was he <laughs> you could tell i couldn't feel it but i could see him <laughs> and I, knew, like, I knew basically if if i didn't have an epidural that i, I might have died i don't even know that's, <laughs> it, that's dramatic but it was it was a lot it was a lot and i could see him but i couldn't feel it so i'm grateful for that anyway mm. but then yeah about half past eight um, I pushed my baby out. Like I couldn't feel contractions or anything, but I could see them on the monitor. So every time I had a contraction, the little spike would go up. So I'd be like, okay, it's time for me to push now. And it was all very calm, to be honest. And because I hadn't eaten in, I don't know how long, they did like a test. They said, I think my body had gone into ketosis or my, it, my, my fat started to eat itself because I hadn't eaten anything and they let me have some toast. And then my mum and my sister went to KFC and bought me a burger. <laughs> and I ate that. Literally, as soon as after I gave him birth, I had a burger. But then that was a really bad idea because I felt really ill. Oh, my mum got me a, a Subway. Yeah, but it, I, I was... Eaten. I had yeah. a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, Michelle, what is wrong with you? Why, why have you had KFC? And I, I didn't feel good after it, so I thought that was a bad idea. But yeah, then, so we had to stay overnight because I had the epidural, obviously. Um, which was fine because... I don't think I even interacted with any other mothers on the ward or anything. No. Like I just had to stay because they had to obviously I had a ha- I had to have a catheter because I had an epidural mm-hmm. so I had to take that out and stuff. Um but yeah, after that, we went home and everything was fab. That sounds nice. Sounds fun. that's what I was I was looking forward to the epidural because I thought I'm going to have a really nice sleep and then and that just didn't happen. I def- I don't think I slept for. I didn't I didn't sleep at all before I had her, after I had her. I didn't sleep. I was just but nervous. after you had her, did you not sleep? Because you were like, oh my God, there's a baby here now. I can't go to sleep. Yeah, like the night nurse had to monitor her because the waters are broken, whatever not. Oh, and yeah. she came at 10. She's like, I'm going to come back at three. She goes, you better be asleep. She came back at three and I'm just literally in my bed with my phone in my hand, just staring at her because I, she had mucus and stuff. Mm. And I didn't want her to choke to death. I didn't sleep. I oh. barely slept. Oh, I completely forgot that <coughs> also, because of that whole cervix thing, my child came out with an extremely long head. 
like where he had been trying to get around the cervix the whole oh. time where I was pushing and trying to, he was trying to get around <coughs> it. When he actually came out, his head was so long, the back of it, like <laughs> an oblong, where he'd been trying to get, what, get like around. A cone head? A cone head. He had a cone head because he was trying to get around that cervix when I was pushing and he couldn't. So when he come out, his head was just, it was ridiculous. You know, like when you, when you have a baby and you have to bring a hat and stuff and you put that little hat on, that hat's just sitting on the top of this bloody cone. He <laughs> couldn't even go on his head properly because his head was so long and it was fine but afterwards obviously it went it shrunk down back to normal very quickly so it was fine but when it came out it was long oh my lord of mercy how how um how much did he weigh oh uh, he was like seven pounds and like eight ounces i think okay yeah mm-hmm. so how was how was your birth um so i prepared myself that mine was going to be quite long because like i know that first time like yeah. mothers tend to have long labors so I had to have, the day before I had my son, I had to have a sweep, which is basically, for anyone who doesn't know, um, the midwife kind of stimulates the cervix by doing the examination that Michelle said is... Is that because you were overdue? Yeah. So I was ten day, I was nine days overdue when I had the sweep. So it was my second sweep. So I had it and then I went to the nail shop with my mum and I started having like contractions almost straight away. Okay. But I didn't really know it was contractions. I just thought, oh, it's just a bit uncomfortable from where she's done, um, whatever she's done. Um... So this was maybe about three o'clock in the afternoon um, and then kept having them on and off until about nine and then they stopped. All throughout the night they stopped. And then the next morning, um, I kind of was a bit upset because I thought, okay, nothing's happening. And I just kind of resigned myself to the fact that, okay, I'm going to be induced tomorrow. So let me just wash my hair and get myself ready for whatever. I went in the shower now and I was having a little bit of contractions in there. And then all of a sudden, I came out of the shower, got dressed, all of a sudden, the contractions were just coming, like literally every three minutes, two minutes, five minutes, whatever. So I called my partner, called my sister, they both quickly came, mm. um, got to the hospital, and this is about half 11 that they started. We got to the hospital maybe about one, mm-hmm. um, and they said I was six centimeters. Wow. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, great. So, um, went in the room i always wanted as well like you said like a water birth so she ran the water and she's like do you want to get in i was just like no i was just lying on the bed i didn't want anyone to touch me i just didn't want anyone to talk to me anything um and then it was like a quick few hours like maybe three hours um and i started to push at this point my water was still hadn't broken um but as i was pushing the waters kind of broke themselves yes um and then it turned out he'd done a poo inside oh, no. so they wanted to move me to the high risk unit right. um but because i worked there so i knew people so the midwife i had was like one of my not friends but like you know like, I was like yeah quite close with her yeah and she was like you need to push this baby out now so i was push 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 and he was born oh. it was quite quick and quite yeah, that's good. Well, it's good that you knew someone, so you don't have to go somewhere and possibly. Have yeah, to so where I else. work and it happens to just be my local hospital. So, okay. <laughs> um, so not too traumatic. Not too traumatic. No, because yeah. obviously we want to say that it's not always traumatic. No, I guess. It's not, it's yeah, no, it wasn't too traumatic, and I didn't. I I did like you like you, Rochelle. I did. Ha- I had a birth plan, but it didn't go to how yeah. I wanted just because of how I felt at the time. Yeah. So I kind of would stress that if people do have birth plans, if it doesn't go the way you want whether good or bad, like, don't get too disheartened because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. No, yeah, because I, when I got examined, um, because the triage was full, they took me to the birthing centre, and I was really, I was like, oh, my God, this is where we're going to be. Yeah. And then when she was like, oh, you're, you're, like, they have broken and we're going to admit you. So I was like, okay, like, 
what room am I going in? Like, and she was just like, oh, you, like your birthing plan, like, is, what's your birth? I said, like, oh, I want a water birth and active yeah. birth. She's like, it's not going to happen. And yeah. I was really upset, like, so I have to, like, go in a normal room and just... I was on a ball. Birthing, <coughs> like, at my hospital, the birthing centre was really nice. Yeah, yeah they are. so, yeah. like, calming. It's like a home from home. Yeah, yeah. mood lighting and some, like, Mine was purple. Music. It was really nice. Really nice. Was yeah. But then you go on the pink, ward yeah. and you're just like, oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and do you know what, actually... I think because um, I bled a few times during my pregnancy and when we were sitting outside waiting to be seen we could hear like women screaming yeah and I was like oh my god but it wasn't until I was transferred to the postnatal ward that we were literally next to triage I said to mum they all heard me because I th- my mum told me off once because at one point I was carrying on really really bad but I felt like no one was helping me yeah, like, yeah but, and then how can you tell someone else who's in labour <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it was my mum kind of she was just like Benita because I think they were talking to me, no, not talking to me, it was when the anaesthetist came in and I think, I remember me hanging in the bed and going, ah, she was like, Benita, stop. And I was like... But that's because the baby was coming. Like, yeah, like we see a we change d- in women. Like, when, we know babies coming if, like, they kind of go a bit... OTT. Yeah. Yeah. And I never thought I'd kind of be like that because I, I watch my born every minute. But at that time, I didn't know that she was coming. I was just yeah. like, I'm having these contractions. I'm forcing the meat dilated to get the needle in my back. Mm. Um... But it's kind of nuts, like, listen, like a lot of the women, I could hear them talking because they're loud and they're a different story. One woman, a Muslim woman, she actually gave birth by herself at home. Yeah, like she called triage, so she having contractions, said to come in. She called her partner, he's coming home from work. And within 15 minutes, she gave birth. Oh my oh. God. Did anyone see the video on Twitter? With the oh man my God, yeah. recording um, his wife in the car and she just... Gave she birth just, in the car. Yeah. yeah. But she was basically like... How to explain it? Her knees were on the seat, and her she was like hanging over the over the back of the the headrest. Head oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she just pushed that baby out right there. And that was, po- that position is like the optimal position to give birth in. Oh. But I said to Michelle, "Watch it," because I watched the video three times, and I was just like, first of all, her husband's filming and driving. I felt like he should have pulled. I feel like <laughs> he should have he should have pulled over, <laughs> propped the camera up if he wanted to catch this amazing moment and helped her. And then at the end, I realized there was a kid in the back. She had a child, but the child was just looking out the window, like singing, and she's holding this baby with the umbil- and her husband's like, "Oh my god!" Still driving, and I was just like, "I know Americans can be a bit extra, but that <laughs> is just way too much." She basically did everything herself, everything. I think those women are amazing. I can't. I was just, I. Yeah, she. Ma- to be fair, she made it look completely effortless. Yep, she did. She wasn't even really screaming like that. Nope. Um, there's something about this area and this ice cream truck. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All the time. He just drives around in a circle every day. I don't understand. Anyway. Um, I feel like, yeah, she was... She made it look so easy. She didn't She didn't hardly even make a sound. No. But the husband, I don't know what he was doing for himself because even if... Like, not even just to capture the moment, he should have felt like the need to help her. He should have felt the need to be comforting. He should have pulled the car over Do you know what? Like, Some men are so useless when mm. in labour and stuff. Like they just really get on my nerves sometimes and I have to hold my tongue because I have to be professional yeah. but sometimes I just think get the hell out of here you're not yeah. doing anything you're yeah. not helping you're just being stupid you're just like yeah. I feel so sorry for your wife yeah my my dad was late um, because my mum my mum basically started having contractions at six o'clock and she had my brother at half eight so she made it to hospital and the microwave broke the day before so he got there 15 minutes before she gave birth and while they were like she's in between contractions he asked her if she got the microwave fixed <laughs> she was just like 
Are you fucking alright? See, like, if that was if I was that midwife, I'd have been thinking, "Are you stupid?" Or one of the midwives looked at her like, "Like, yeah, you tell him." Because, like, of all things, why would you bring that up? Why do, is that concerned? Do you know what her? men are just? I think it's not until those situations you just see how different they are yeah. to women. Like, they just the things that they come out with sometimes. Did you? I mean. I know that your mum was there. Was your mum in the room with you when you gave birth? No, it was my sister and my partner. Okay. Um, but I kind of, I felt, I didn't feel like I was by myself at all because they were both very supportive. Mm. But where I was just on the bed, they were kind of on the other side because I just didn't want anyone near me. Yeah. And I didn't want anyone to touch me. I <laughs> so just didn't just want anything. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was opposite. Not opposite, but no, I was completely opposite. Most of the time I was hanging off of my mum like on her and she was like supporting me mm. I feel sorry for her she was just there supporting me while I was hanging <laughs> off her but then at one point I had really bad back pain and stuff and I'm like somebody rub my back somebody rub my back and I'm, my sister starts like basically tickling my back that's how it felt she was stroking it stroking it all soft and I got I was I was so angry I was just like get off of me you're not doing anything it was, it was making me so angry because you know you're in pain mm. and you're like you actually because it's like this deep back pain you need you feel like you need someone to di- like really give a hard listen there's the amount massage. of times i've been like a masseuse as well mm. and a midwife because i understand because like women and birth partners they kind of don't want to add to your pain but mm. with that kind of back pain you do need to put a lot of yeah. pressure i'm like and- i need you to do something again she's like tickling me i'm like get off you're anno- <laughs> you- no, i'm annoyed, I'm annoyed. Get away from me. <laughs> I, was, I don't i didn't have back pain i think it was just um i remember i was on the ball i thought i was on there for five minutes mum said i was on there for about an hour and a half so she was behind me when I was on the ball rubbing my back and stuff. But I felt like it was more afterwards when I kind of really, like I was like, I'll say to anyone, you really need your mum in there. Like um, when they took Savannah away to do the checks and stuff, mum was like, okay, we need to get you in the shower. And I just don't, I don't, I don't even, remember when you came to visit me and you said you're really active, like getting up and stuff. Mm. I don't know how I did it. I was in so much pain. Um, but she like, she basically bathed me, she dressed me, she put like, socks and because they wool you out yeah and i don't know if it's a man um, it's not really a man's intuition to kind of like do those little things no it's not they would kind of expect the midwife to kind of do it or yeah even in the labor ward i was in this horrible couple opposite me i really hope that their child's okay they were awful couple and she just had a c-section i don't think the birth went to her plan and um what was horrible about them sorry i would like to know the story they were um I knew from how they were speaking, I knew they were Asian, and it sounds really weird, but I knew from how she speaking, I knew she was fat. And oh. I knew that the husband was skinny. And when I saw them, it was, <laughs> I can't explain it. She was just, a, she sounded like a really nasty person. For example, um, the baby must have started crying, and she had obviously got up, because she was wincing in pain, so they pressed the button. And the midwife came, she went, oh, the baby's crying. She was like, okay, she goes, oh, I'll try to get up. She goes, well, you can't get up. He needs changing. She goes, oh, like, well, that's what your husband's here for. And she's like, he don't know nothing. He don't know anything. He don't have to change nothing. And the midwife's like, well, okay, well, I'm here to teach and stuff. And I heard the midwife teach him through how to, like, change the nappy and whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I don't know. She must have used the C word about a million times mm. to him. Every time that baby cried, she'd be like, what are you crying for? Like, it was just, that was my last oh. night. And I said to my mum, if they said to me, oh, we can't discharge you because of your paperwork and stuff, yeah. I would have asked for move wards because she was just bringing my At one point, when I changed Savannah, Savannah cried. She's like, oh, these babies always crying. Oh my gosh. I just was like, I just wanted to just rip the coat and be like, what's your problem? Like, she was just such a nasty person. Um, 
But in terms of all the other husbands that are in there, like the couple next to me, oh my God, they were so in love. It was their first child after 12 years and they had a boy and you could just hear the dad speaking and like he was doing everything for her and they either had that opposite. But in terms of having like, I don't say a mum, but maybe a woman who kind of knows that you need that little bit of extra TLC where a man will just be like, oh, what do you want? Yeah, like like, I think, yeah, we do see like a lot of the, like both situations we do see, I do see a lot of dads who are very attentive and very like caring and like want to do everything and then the opposite where they're just there or not there at all like obviously I know sometimes that some people have like other kids and stuff at home yeah um so it's a childcare issue but sometimes they're just like they're just not there and like obviously I don't know what goes on in other people's relationships yeah. but yeah I do feel like I can understand it's harder for men to adjust to becoming a parent I think than it is for a woman mm. only because I feel like women have that kind of they grow their child inside of them so they kind of know okay so a baby's coming so I think it's a very big shock for men when babies come but then at the same time I do feel like there needs to be that supportive er- like mm. side as well like you need to understand she's gone through a lot like women go through a lot when they give birth whether it's like <laughs> vaginally or cesarean or whatever like it's a lot it's a lot for the body to go through and I feel like some men are just not in tune with being that supportive and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I would know. I didn't have a man. I had my mum. That's all I needed. And you had your mum and sister. So you yeah, of course. Like that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not saying every like. Obviously, the yeah. situations are different. But um, I think it just. I it. Do you know what? It's saying that it depends how the guy is as well. Yeah. Like if they're already in that kind of caring way or whatever, or in that moment they just kind of adapt. I guess. Yeah. To try and help. But it's just watching one point every minute, the useless ones that just sit on their phone. Or when they eat in front of their partner when they can't eat because they're having a scheduled C-section. I just feel like, can't you just go and eat that outside? Because I just rip, I'll rip your throat out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Right, so I think we've come we've to come the end. To end. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I said it before, but we're now on iTunes. Um, we'll post the link on our Twitter, which is WTYM Pod. Um, if you've got any questions or you've got any opinions and stuff that we've spoken about today, please feel free to hashtag YTM W. What WYTM Pod? I don't know why I keep saying that. WTYM. I oh, okay. If you want to have any interactions with us on our Twitter, it is WYTM Pod. WTYM. I can't do it. You just do it. You close this whole thing. Take a gap and you close it because I can't do this. I'm not hosting this ever again. <laughs> I might leave this in. <laughs> I'm not hosting this ever again. I swear to God, I might actually leave this in. <laughs> I'm literally, I don't know what is wrong with me. I was really good at English. I don't know why I can't just read stuff because I see the W in my head, but I'm just saying why. I don't understand why I, I'm doing it. No, but it's WTYM pod. Hashtag WTYM pod on Twitter if you want to interact with us. Um, we are at WTYM pod on Twitter as well. Um, and we have an email which is wtympod at gmail.com so yeah yes thank you for listening and we'll see you in a couple of weeks no we won't see you oh, I can't deal I can't deal with this this is too much pressure I don't like sitting in this chair we're talking you'll do this from now on I can't deal with it oh my god oh lord of mercy <laughs>